We're going to dive into our message now, and as we do, I want to ask you a question as we kind of get into things to have a bit of a think about. How do you respond when you're invited to dinner? When you get a dinner invitation, how do you respond to that? For some of us, we're really excited. That's awesome. Get to go to someone's house, get a free feed. That's pretty awesome, particularly if it's someone who cooks really, really well. We're excited about that. If it's someone that we know and that we enjoy their company, it can be really, really great. So we can be very excited about a dinner invitation. But for some of us, it might be, oh, really? I have to go out to dinner again? I've got all these other things on. There's all this stuff that I need to do. Not really sure that I enjoy spending time with that person or those people. Let's be honest, sometimes we have those people in our lives as well. We have all sorts of different reactions in the ways that we embrace a dinner invitation. And uh, at Brooklyn Park, we've been doing a series over the last few weeks where we've been digging into some of the parables, uh, the stories that Jesus told that have extra layers of meaning underneath them, to dig into a little bit more of what the kingdom is like. When we talk about the kingdom, we're really talking about life the way that God created it to be. And so Jesus used these ancient stories, these parables, as a way of helping us to catch a glimpse and a vision of what the kingdom is like, what life is supposed to be like the way that God designed it to be. And one of the stories that Jesus told is a story about some people who are extended a dinner invitation and the different ways that they respond to that. And so we're going to uh, dig into that in a couple of moments. So inside of our newsletter, you'll see that there are some teaching notes. Uh, So this is something we encourage people to do is to jot down thoughts as they make their way through the message that might be helpful for you, things that you want to think about as you're heading to this week, uh, things that you want to remember, or things that you want to discuss with others. So if that's helpful for you, feel free to grab those teaching notes and you can jot things down. And if you have your Bible with you, uh, you can open up to Luke chapter 14. Uh, We will have the verses up on the screen as well. Uh, But if you've got your Bible, you can open up in preparation to Luke chapter 14. It's always really important for us to understand the context in which parables happen. It's important for us to understand the context of every passage of scripture that we read, but especially with the parables, it's important to understand why Jesus chose to share the story that he did. So a bit of background on what's been going on. Jesus has been having a bit of a back and forth with some of the religious leaders, the Pharisees, uh, in particular about whether it's okay to heal someone on the Sabbath whether that's breaking a law and therefore it's not an okay thing to do, or whether it is okay to heal someone because that is the most loving thing to do in that context. There's really a debate going on here about do we focus on love or do we focus on the rules? And where do we sit in that? But there's actually a bigger issue that Jesus is trying to tease out a little bit here, which is the mindset of some of the religious leaders who were saying, I'm better than other people and I'm more deserving than other people because I'm someone who follows the rules without exception. And so I'm really, really important and I'm very good because I follow all of the rules. And so Jesus challenges them with a couple of illustrations about what humility looks like. The first one is that he says, when you're invited over to someone's house for dinner, don't go and sit at the place of honour because you might be really embarrassed if they say to you, actually that seat's reserved for someone else, so you need to kind of move. It's far better to come and adopt a posture of humility in that. And Jesus then says, and if you invite someone over to your house, Don't just invite people who you know will be able to then invite you back to their house for dinner later or can do something for you, but invite those who maybe are not going to be able to offer you anything in return. One of the religious leaders says, all of this stuff you're saying, Jesus, is really awesome. It sounds like the kingdom, life the way that God created it to be, is so, so great. 
And Jesus realises that they still haven't quite hit the mark yet. And so he shares this story that we're going to have a look at today in Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 16. So Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and he sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. So in Jesus' day, and this is still the way that things work in many parts of the world today, you would send out an invitation a few weeks in advance to say, save the date. I'm going to have you over for dinner on this date at this time, so put that aside, I'm going to invite you over on that day. So you'll get an invitation, and then on the day, someone would come, and they would say to you, it's all ready, dinner is served, all the food's on the table, so come on over. It's a beautiful picture of what that looks like to be invited along and say, yes, it's time to come. Now, as I was preparing this week, it's only hit me to say that Jesus often uses this image of people gathering together, particularly around food. The idea of banquets and feasts and dinners together, parties is a key thing that we see Jesus talk about often, particularly when he's talking about this image of the kingdom. And it just challenged me a little bit to say, if my starting point was about a feast, a banquet, a party, and that was the first picture that I had of what the kingdom is like, what would change in the way that I approach my relationship with God, in the way I approach my understanding of what God is looking for me. And not just for me, but particularly we know there are lots and lots of people in the community around us who haven't grown up in the church or don't have much experience with God or with Jesus. What would happen if their starting point was the kingdom is like a banquet? The kingdom is like a feast. The kingdom is like a dinner party where we get to come together. To dig into that, I want you to actually picture what comes to mind for you when you think of a banquet or a feast or a dinner party. And if it's helpful to close your eyes, feel free to do that. Or if you're more introverted and the idea of going to a big dinner party is very, very intimidating, just think about a nice intimate dinner with a few friends. But just picture what comes to mind for you. When I think about it, I think about abundance I think about generosity, lots of food that's laid out, a sense of joy, being able to have amazing conversations with each other, the sense of being at home, the sense of belonging, the sense of connection. That's what comes to mind for me when I think about what a banquet or a dinner party looks like. It's interesting to say, if that was our starting point, to say that's what the kingdom is like, abundance, generosity, joy, a sense of connecting, a sense of being together, a sense of belonging, Would that change anything about the way that we think about what God is like and about what our place in God's family is like? Well, back to the story, verse 18. All of the people who had been issued this second invitation, dinner's ready, come and get it, uh, all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. So what we understand here is that probably they RSVP'd initially to the first invitation and said, yes, that sounds great, I would love to come. And then the servant comes and knocks on their door and says, dinner is ready, and you can imagine the look on their face. Like, oh, that was tonight? Ah, um, unfortunately, not going to be able to make it, I've got these other priorities, and I can't come anymore. And it's really helpful for us to look at the different excuses that Jesus gives us for the people in this parable and to ask ourselves, what are the things that happen in our lives that stop us from embracing the invitations that God gives to us in our lives? 
There's three categories that Jesus unpacks. The first is that they bought, someone bought a field. And so when we think about this, we can just think about possessions. I bought a house. I need to do some renovations. There's all this work that needs to be done. We're getting an extension. There's all this stuff. I bought a new TV and I want to try it out because it's really, really amazing. I just signed up for Netflix or Disney Plus and there's a lot to watch. So I need to make some time to be able to do that. I just bought a new car. I need to take it for a drive. I bought a new phone. I want to learn how to use it. All of these things are possessions. Sometimes those can get in the way of us accepting the invitations that God gives in our lives. The second example is about buying some oxen. And really the context of this is a work context. They bought the oxen, no doubt, to work in their fields. And so for us, we can think about what happens in our lives in a work context. Sometimes it's just the amount of work that we've got to do. Working 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, we feel like things are getting a little full on. The stress that comes from work. I've got all these projects and all these things that I'm working on. The reality that we get home, we've got emails that we have to answer from work and we feel like we're always on. For those of us who are at school or at uni, the reality of assignments that are due, exams that are coming up and all the pressure that can be a part of that. For those of us who are involved in volunteering, we can still feel the same way. I've got all this stuff that I need to organise for this event that's coming up. All these people that I need to pull together for this thing that we're doing. All of those things can get in the way of us accepting the invitations that God issues to us as well. And then the third one is someone who got married. And really what Jesus is saying here is that our social lives can also get in the way of that. I've got all these people that I need to connect with, all these people that I need to catch up with, and I've got this wedding coming up, and I've got this birthday party that I need to go to, and this other event that I need to go to, all of this stuff. And I don't really have time to be able to think about what God's invitations are. The challenge for us is to recognise none of those things are actually bad things. None of these things are evil things that the people were doing. They're all perfectly valuable and important things. There's no issue with us having possessions in our lives and things that make our lives better and easier. There's certainly no issue with us focusing on our work or our study or the volunteer roles that we have. And there's definitely nothing wrong with us focusing on relationships. It's one of the most important things that we can do. But the challenge here is to say, are those things a higher priority than the invitations that God wants to give us? The times when God says, I would love you to come and join me in doing this. Do those other things crowd out our responses where we say, ah, sorry, God, I've got too much on. I just can't be involved in that. Well, verse 21, a servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Now, this is one of those times where we have to be really careful because what Jesus is painting here, again, is a picture of the kingdom, but in parables, generally very extreme examples are used. And so we understand that God is reflective of the master in this story And so, I don't know about you, but that kind of challenges me a little bit, is what Jesus is saying here is that if we decline God's invitation, that he will get furious at us. He will get really angry at us. How dare you turn down my invitation? I invited you. I set the table. I can't believe that you're not going to show up. Really? And does that paint a picture of us of God kind of being this needy God who's a little bit lonely gone to all this trouble. These people won't even come to my house. How dare they? Is that the picture that we have of what God is like? 
Well, I think what Jesus is trying to tease out here is God's heart for us, to recognise that God is passionate about hospitality, about creating an environment for people to experience life and love and a sense of belonging and connectedness, that sense of home, all of those things that we talked about before. And God doesn't want people to miss out on that. So this sense of frustration that God's got is, I can't believe that you're focusing on these other things and that you're going to miss out on being able to come along and experience this awesome opportunity to be able to experience what the feast is like. But God doesn't just give up at this point, throw a tantrum and say, well, that's it, throw all the food out, I don't care, pack it away, chuck all the stuff in the bin, too bad they missed out, close the whole thing down. The master says to the servant, go out and find those who are on the margins, those who would be interested in accepting an invitation, those who want to be included, those who are hungry, who want to be a part of this. Verse 22, after the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. So this servant has already walked around the town and found everyone that he can, and yet there's still more seats at the table. And so now he goes further afield. And the implication here about the country lanes and the hedges is the people who've really been shunned by society, the people who have to go and kind of hide out far away from the town. The only shelter that they can find is behind a hedge. It's those sorts of people that we're told, the servant is told to go and find. What we love to see here is that God's desire is simply that his house is full. God wants everyone to be invited, everyone to come along. And he doesn't care about their background or their issues or their challenges or what's been going on in their life. He just wants them to come and to be able to participate in the feast. And then Jesus finishes the parable in verse 24 by saying, For none of those that I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Again, this is where... Seems a little bit harsh, doesn't it? You had one chance, you blew it, so that's it. You don't even get a little sniff. There's no leftovers for you, nothing. You can't have any of the feast at all. But again, we have to recognise these people chose to opt out. The master in this story didn't say, no, don't want you to be a part of any of this. You're done, you're out. They made the decision to say, we don't want to be there. Thanks, but no thanks. And they were the ones who walked away. All of them were welcome, but all of them chose to decline the invitation. And so the implication here is, therefore, they won't get even the smallest taste. They won't even get to experience any of the joy, the connection, the music, the hanging out, the conversation. They won't get to experience any of that because they made the choice to walk away. So as we've unpacked these parables each week, one of the things that we've done on a regular basis is to say, what does kingdom living look like? So what does this picture that Jesus gives us help us understand about life the way that God created it to be? And we have this beautiful picture painted for us of inclusion, of participation, of invitation. It's recognition that Jesus has come and the invitation has been issued to every single one of us to say the feast is ready. You are invited. Come and join in the feast that's laid out. 
Now, it is important to say that one of the contextual parts of this parable is about the context of Israel for hundreds and hundreds of years, being issued invitation after invitation after invitation to come and participate in life the way that God wanted it to be and continually making excuses and putting other things in the way of that. And again, remember what we said at the beginning, the context of what Jesus is really challenging is the religious leaders who are kind of getting a bit hung up about following all the rules and therefore I'm better than other people. And so what we can understand here is that one of the kingdom values is that relationships are far more important than religion, that we want to focus on relationships, caring for each other, including each other, participating together. In the context of that, Jesus is kind of pushing the envelope a little bit to say, because Israel has chosen continually to walk away from the invitation, the invitation is now being thrown far and wide to all the people in the country lanes and the hedges, which is understood to be the outsiders, the non-religious people, the non-Jewish people, the Gentile people. All of them are welcome to come and to participate in the feast. And so kingdom living for us looks like us accepting the invitation that's been issued to us, recognising all that Jesus has done for us and understanding that it doesn't matter about our background. It doesn't matter about the challenges that we've got in our lives. It doesn't matter about the issues that we're facing. All of us are invited to join at the table. All of us are invited to participate in what God has got planned for us. But there is also this challenge in this parable about what it looks like for us to be passionate about inviting others, to saying, how do we help others to discover that they too are invited along to the feast? There is a place at the table for them, regardless of their background, regardless of their challenges, regardless of what's going on in their life, they're invited as well. But when we sit down at the table, we're all equal. We have the privilege of being able to celebrate together and to recognise that we're at the table because the invitation was given to us. It's not because we earned it. It's not because we did enough to prove ourselves worthy. It's just because of the generosity of our wonderful God who invites us to come and participate as equals, as brothers and sisters together. So one of the things that we like to do as a part of our messages is to take some time to be able to reflect on what it is that God might be saying to us as we begin to bring our message to a close and prepare to transition to communion. And so we always have a reflection question and uh, unpack that a little bit and then give you a bit of space to be able to say, what is going on for you right now? Is there something that you want to think about more as you're heading to this week? Is there a challenge that you want to take away? Is there something you want to take and have a conversation with someone else about? And so our reflection question today is, in what ways is Jesus inviting you to feast with him? In what ways is Jesus inviting you to feast with him? The starting point there is to say, what are the invitations that Jesus is issuing to you right now in this moment? As we head into the rest of today, as we head into the rest of this week, what are the invitations that Jesus is issuing for you? An invitation to come and to spend some time with him, to be able to be with him, to be able to talk with him, to be able to listen to him. An opportunity to be able to unload the burdens that you might be carrying and to give those over to Jesus. An opportunity to just be at home, to feel like you belong, to know that you're embraced and accepted. An opportunity to be able to experience rest, to refill the tanks, to recharge the batteries. What are the invitations that Jesus 
is offering to you in this moment as we head into this week. And then to follow that up, are you excited about those invitations? Or, if you're honest, are there maybe some excuses that are kicking in that get in the way of you being able to accept those invitations? Are those things that we talked about, possessions, work, study, volunteering, relationships, just life, getting in the way of you being able to say, Jesus, I want to prioritise your invitations in my life. But there is also a third part of this that comes out of the parable, that we're not just the ones who receive the invitation in this parable, we're also the ones who are given the privilege of taking the invitations to other people. And so part of this question is also to say, are we willing to not just accept the invitations Jesus gives us, but to go and hand them out to the people that are in our lives? So the people who are a part of our extended families, to the people who are our neighbours, people who are a part of our friendship circles, people who we work with, people at school, people that we spend time with. Now Jesus is very clear here that if people choose to decline our invitations, there's no need for us to push. We don't want to make people feel obliged. No, you have to come whether you like it or not. We just issue the invitation and allow them to respond. But who are the people around us who are curious? Who are the ones who are hungry? Who are the ones who are craving an opportunity to come and to be able to be invited to the feast? Who are the ones who are looking for connection? And particularly with that, who are the people who are maybe on the outside? The people who generally don't get invitations. The people who often feel like they're overlooked and left out. So, in what ways is Jesus inviting you to feast with him? could be any of those things. It could be something else that you want to dig into. But we'll give you a couple of moments. There'll be some background music that'll play. You can feel free to chat to the person next to you. You can feel free to jot some thoughts down on your teaching notes, or you can just take some time in the silence and close your eyes and reflect. This time is yours, and then I'll come back and pray, and we'll transition to communion.
Before we pray, I just want to mention that on the back of your teaching notes, uh, you'll see that we also have our Connect Group questions. One of the things that we have been and uh, want to continue focusing on at Brooklyn Park is the opportunity for us to gather together in smaller groups uh, because we recognise that hopefully there's some value in uh, having someone come and unpack some scripture for us. Uh, But the reality is there's only a limited amount that we take away from that. It's really when we turn the chairs to face each other, where we take the opportunity to unpack the questions that we've got and the things that we're processing. Uh, that we really have the opportunity to embrace what it is that God might be challenging us about and in particular to then share with each other about the things uh, that we might be sensing that we want to work on. And so we offer those to you. I know there's the Thursday Bible study group, which I had the privilege of being able to visit the other day, Um, but you can feel free to use some or all of those questions or none of them. It's totally fine. But we also want to say that if you are just catching up with someone else for a coffee or having a chat with two or three other people, feel free uh, to use some of these questions as a way of being able to dig in a little bit more to what it is that God might be saying to you today. But I'm going to pray and then we'll transition to communion. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for this beautiful thing that is called the kingdom, life the way that you created and designed it to be. We're so grateful for all of the different images that we have of that throughout Scripture, and in particular, Jesus, we're grateful for the images that you give to us, particularly through the parables, uh, but through a lot of your other teaching, where you help us to catch a vision of what life is supposed to be like. We thank you for the challenge that comes from that, that there are so many different ways that it challenges our perspectives and our perceptions of what it is that you want from us. We thank you that at the core of that is always this radical inclusivity, this radical sense of us being welcomed, invited, being asked to participate in the work that you are doing. And we're so grateful for that, that that is something that is given to us because of your life, your death and your resurrection. That it's not because we prove ourselves worthy, it's not because we've done enough good in our lives, that we've shown ourselves to be someone who deserves it. You issue that to us simply because of your love and your desire for us to be included. And so we ask that as we head into this week, that you would help us to recognise those invitations that you are issuing into our lives, that you would help us to recognise those moments where you're saying, come and spend some time with me. That we would be really aware of those things that we sometimes put in the way of that, the barriers that we put up, the excuses that we make, the other priorities that might be really important things to do, but aren't necessarily the best things to do. And you would also challenge us about what it looks like to be people who issue your invitation to those around us. Thank you that you give us the privilege of being able to help other people to discover what the kingdom is like. And we ask that as we head into this week, you would help us to have open eyes and open ears to see the opportunities that we've got to invite people in and to say you are welcome at the table as well and to continue processing what that looks like. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.